Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Route 6A, Orleans, Cape Cod. On the web at birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By the Boston Harbor Island Alliance. Minutes away, worlds apart. Go to bostonharborislands.org for more information. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 506. Hope you're enjoying the holiday season and an early happy new year. Just a reminder that our phone lines are always open here at Talking Birds. We haven't really been emphasizing that lately, but if you have a question, comment, or observation about birds or nature in general, please give us a call here on the show at 781 837 Meanwhile, if you're in a part of the country where winters are a little longer, than you'd like them to be, like here in New England, for example. Here's a little encouraging news for you. By late January, only about a month from now, many birds will already have begun their spring season. Among them, northern mockingbird. Of course, it helps if you're a little farther south to experience the earliest performances. Way out in western Canada, meanwhile, Pacific wrens start singing by mid-February. Not too, too far off. There's a little preview there. And it won't be long before chickadees scolding you like this when you fill the feeders in the winter. We'll be singing that Hey Sweetie song of spring. That'll be nice to hear. So cheer up, fellow winter sufferers. Winter may seem a long way from ending, but the birds know better. Well, here's a new uh, winter season segment we're trying out here on the show. Uh, We call it... The View from the Corner Office. Now, usually when you hear the phrase, the view from the corner office, it has something to do with the pontificating of the CEO of a big corporation. But in our case, it refers to the actual view from our Talking Birds office, or Talking Birds World Headquarters, as we like to call it. We happen to have a little corner office in a complex in Quincy, Massachusetts. And out through our window, we have a view. A narrow one, but a view nonetheless of beautiful Boston Harbor. And from time to time, we see some nice wintering ducks out there. So far this winter, it's been a little slow. And our species list is currently limited to various groupings of red-breasted merganser, surf scoter, common eider, and bufflehead along with some great cormorants and plenty of herring gulls. It's a modest beginning, to be sure, but we're hopeful that we'll have more variety to report the next time we present our... from the corner office. All right, it's time now for a little uh, teaser announcement here on Talking Birds. And it's this. We will soon have a new contributor to the show. And it would be fair to say that in the world of birding, this person is very famous. So famous that we're not prepared to even say his name yet. But we'll give a hint. His name rhymes with Mavid Fibley. We'll give the actual name of this Talking Birds contributor later in the show. Another great contributor to Talking Birds is our friend Doug Chickering, author of a wonderful book called Reflections on a Golden-Winged Warbler. Doug's writings also appear regularly on the Mass Bird Forum here in the Bay State. And he wrote a beautiful piece this week about a special December 
morning, with Doug's permission, we hereby present part of that beautiful essay. He writes, I arrived on Plum Island shortly before dawn and headed directly for Emerson Rocks at the south end of the island. It would be dead low tide in about half an hour, and Tom Wetmore had found a king eider up on the rocks during the Christmas bird count a mere five days ago. Of course, help uh, hoping to get lucky, I didn't hesitate until I got to around parking lot number two, where I stopped for a scene both spectacular and sublime. The sun had just cleared the ocean, and the sky was washed in the light of an early dawn, rosy red at the horizon, a bright robin's egg blue above the red, and then transitioning into the deepening purple of the retreating night sky. When I arrived at Emerson Rocks, I started my scan and was treated to the usual crowd. Many black scoter, I counted 206, along with a goodly number of common eider, white-winged scoter, and horned grebe. There was also a pair of female common golden eye, a few red-breasted mergansers, and about eight common loons. At one point, a small bird threw, flew through my field of vision from left to right. I had picked up a dovekey flying just above the surface of the sea. It skittered by the rocks, and as it did, I found myself exclaiming, Put down! Don't fly away! Put down! Which it did, maybe 20 yards offshore. It didn't bother to land, but dove directly into the water and was gone. I'm sure that it swam a score of yards or so underwater and then popped up to the surface and then dove again. I suspect that some readers can't help but stifle a yawn at my excitement at seeing this bird, a difficult but regular visitor. But I hadn't seen one on Plum Island since 06, so for me it was an event. I was hoping to see that King Eider, but instead found a dove key. It was a special December morning. There it is, part of a beautiful dove key delight Plum Island portrait from the Prince of Plum Island himself, our friend Doug Chickering from Groveland, Massachusetts. We're hearing more reports of dove keys around, by the way. Well, we have a caller, a long-distance caller on the line right now, and it happens to be another Chickering. This one from Concord, uh, California. It's Ethan Chick Chickering. Uh, good morning, Ethan. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Great. Nice, nice to hear from you. You sound a little bit like your brother, Doug. Well, that's because we grew up together, yes. Okay. <laughs> but I've been out here in California since 1968, but you really can't lose the whole accent. It's going to stay with you. I guess it always does, yeah, it does. A, a little bit, yeah. And he was the one that got me into birding, although not actually until I moved to California. Hmm. When he came out to visit me once, and we just did some birding, and I liked it. All right. So much so that, I joined, that my wife and I joined the local Audubon Society, Mount Diablo nice. Audubon. Actually. Concord, California, which is, uh, which is where, Chick? It's in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's mm -hmm. east of the Oakland Berkeley Hills in uh, uh, Contra Costa County. All right. Mm -hmm. So you started birding when you got out there, but influenced by, by your brother. Is he the older brother? No, he's the younger brother. I'm uh -huh. the oldest one. All right. Well, that's kind of like me and my brother, because my brother is older, but I kind of got him interested yeah. in birding. He's down in uh, Florida, at least in the wintertime. Oh, really? Uh, that's good. And, and yeah. involved in the... Uh, yeah. In the west, uh, what is it called? The the um, Southwest Florida um, mm -hmm. Conservation uh, Group. Yeah. Down in fact, there. Um, uh, I just uh, participated in the uh, uh, winter of the Christmas bird count. Oh, yes. The Audubon Society. We have a couple of areas the eastern Contra Costa County and the central county. And I did 
we did the Easton County a couple, a couple of weeks ago. What were some of your highlights out there? Well, let's see. We did see a yellow-shafted flicker, which out here, that's very unusual. Yeah. And we uh, saw three golden eagles mm-hmm. and a nice. uh, burrowing owl. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't see a, a large account in the species. Mm-hmm. I mean, the large number of species. Mm-hmm. We did see a, a lot of them. We saw a huge flock of uh, long-billed curlews fly over. Oh, nice. And um, also, uh, around here, we have a very rare bird uh, up in the Calusa National Wildlife Refuge called the falcated duck. You ever hear of it? I've heard of it. never seen one. Well, yeah. that's because they're not over here very often. <laughs> uh, they're seen in the outer uh, Aleutians and the Pribilofs, uh, yeah, yeah. and there's been a couple of uh, reports in, in Washington State, but this is up in the uh, Calusa Wildlife Refuge north of Sacramento, and it's about three years it's been up there. Nice. Uh, well, your brother Doug has a wonderful book, Reflections on a Golden-Winged Warbler. Will you be writing a California version out there, Chick? <laughs> I wish I could write like my brother, but but I can't. No. Well, you, well, you talk I, well. well and... English would be a second language to me. <laughs> well, yeah. you, sound, you sound great to me, and thanks so much for calling in, and uh, good birding, and keep in touch with us. Uh, I sure will. Good to hear from thanks you, Thanks a Chick. lot, Ray. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Ethan Chick. Chickering, uh, Doug Chickering's brother out there in Concord, California. You want to check out our Facebook page and uh, see what's going on there. Some fascinating stuff this week. Uh, for example, score one for the birds in the ongoing birds versus wind turbine battle. A wind farm operator called Pacific Corp has pleaded guilty to violating the Migratory Bird Treaty Act after the deaths of hundreds of birds over the past five years. A new study from Russia shows that crows are even smarter than we thought they were. The study suggests that crows can perform complex tasks using analogies, working out problems previously thought to be solvable only by people, apes, and monkeys. Another new study, this one from Tennessee, says that birds may be able to avoid catastrophic storms by using infrasound, a kind of low-frequency noise produced by the storms. No, humans can't hear it. And National Audubon has produced a handy flowchart that can help you have an enlightening conversation with your friends about climate change. And it includes an explanation of why climate change is now the number one threat to North American birds. Those are some of the stories, pictures, and videos appearing this week on our Talking Birds Facebook page. You can do an internet search for these stories, by the way, if you're not a Facebook fan. Well, great thanks to the many Talking Birds listeners who filled out our online survey about the show and how we can make it better. We received lots and lots of fabulous feedback and many great suggestions and ideas. And we also chose a winner at random from among all those who completed the survey. The prize, a copy of Bill Thompson's and the Third's Bird Homes and Habitats book and a Bushnell backyard binocular. And the winner is Ed Gowarty in Jerome, Pennsylvania. And I hope I came pretty close to pronouncing your name correctly there, Ed. And congratulations to you. And thanks to all, again, who uh, filled out our survey. We have one more winner to congratulate this morning. Here's the answer to our Birds and Beans coffee quiz, for which the deadline was December 21st at midnight. We asked about red crossbills being wiped out in some breeding areas up north 
because of competition for food from the introduced red blank. We asked you to fill in that blank for a chance to uh, be this week's winner of a bag of birds and beans, bird-friendly shade-grown coffee. Uh, once again, Red Cross bills being wiped out in some breeding areas up north because of competition for food from the introduced red blank. The answer was squirrel. Yes, red squirrel out competing with some of the same food. And our winner chosen at random from all the names submitting correct entries is Gina K. Gina in West Kingston, Rhode Island. Let's hear it for Gina there. Thank you, Gina. We'll be sending that uh, beautiful bird-friendly coffee out to you. And now here is our final Birds and Beans coffee quiz question of the year. The yellow warbler has been known to build a stack of nests as many as six levels high. It does this to thwart the efforts of what other bird? The yellow warbler, been known to build a stack of nests as many as six levels high. It does this to thwart the efforts of what other bird? Email your answer to ray at talkingbirds.com, ray at talkingbirds.com. Deadline for entry, January 4th at midnight. Talking Birds is also made possible in part by American Bird Conservancy, the Western Hemisphere's bird conservation specialist. They use sound science to halt extinctions, protect habitats, eliminate threats, and build capacity for bird conservation. Thousands have joined their ranks as members go to abcbirds.org and find out why. Here's our conservation quote of the week. The supreme reality of our time is the vulnerability of our planet. That's a quote from the 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy. Still to come on our show today, a mystery bird with a loud and surprisingly complex song. Be the first to identify it and win a fabulous feeder from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's famous Bird Watchers General Store will be with us to dispel a myth about bird feeders and mice. And up next... A rather tame and friendly winter visitor from way up north is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Piney Cola is not the name of a new soft drink, and a nuclear tour is not the latest doomsday weapon. Instead, Piney Cola is the genus, and a nuclear tour is the species, in the scientific name of today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. The one that sounds like this. Got it? Well, Pinecola is Latin for pine dweller, and nucleator refers to the bird's way of getting at seeds in pine cones. It's a colorful winter nomad from the northern forests that often wanders down into the upper portions of the lower 48 when seeds are scarce up north. The bird is the pine grosbeak, a large, robust finch, with the male sporting a red-washed black back, gray sides and undertail coverts, and a pinkish-red head, breast, belly, and sides. Females and juveniles are gray with olive-brown heads, napes, and faces. Those bright colors of the male along with that big, heavy beak, have earned it the nickname Alaska Parrot. Meanwhile, back east in Newfoundland, thanks to their slow, deliberate motions, they're called mopes 
by the local folks. Pine grosbeaks tend to be extremely tame and will often allow a close approach while they're feeding on fruits and seeds near the tips of branches. Also sometimes called the winter robin, it's the largest and rarest of the winter finches. It's the pine grosbeak. Pinecola, a nucleator. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Thanks again for being with us on our show number 506. We hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talking Birds. And visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Even though our contest is over, you can still take our survey if you'd like. You'll find it right there on our homepage, TalkingBirds.com. Up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Public ferry service to the Boston Harbor Islands has ended for the season, but you can still visit the beautiful Boston Harbor Islands peninsulas open year-round. World's End in Hingham, Deer Island in Winthrop, Webb Memorial Park in Weymouth, and Nut Island in Quincy. They're connected to the mainland and accessible by car, offering stunning views of Boston Harbor and its islands, plus birding, hiking, biking, and cross-country skiing. Enjoy your national park all year long. For more information, please visit bostonharborislands.org. Here on Talking Birds Now, a message from our friends at Ducks Unlimited. Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been a world leader in wetlands conservation, ensuring safe passage for nature's most beautiful creations, protection against flooding, and sanctuary for the human soul. If we don't want to grow old in a world without wild places, we must speak up, we must step up, so that we may fill the skies for generations to come. Talking Birds is also made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. That's birds.cornell.edu. On our Mystery Bird Contest, you're eligible if you haven't been a winner in the past six months. If you haven't heard our contest before, it goes like this. We play the sound of a bird, we give some clues, and invite you to call in and tell us what you think it is. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner, so take a guess if you're not at all sure. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. Our prize is the Droll Yankees, new generation 15-inch thistle or Niger feeder, perfect for all those finches visiting your yard. 781-837-4900. Please call early here in the process. Here's the mystery bird sound we're trying to identify. Our mystery bird is a very small songbird with uniformly dark brown plumage and dark brown eyes. Our bird has a thin pointed bill, a brown and black bill, a faint pale stripe over the eyes in a tail that's shorter than those of its relatives, a tail that's often cocked upward. That would be our mystery bird. What do you think it is? Take a guess if you're not sure or tell us if you are sure. 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, the mouse in your house, don't blame your bird feeders. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. One of the things we like to do around here when we're out and about is to tell friends about shade-grown coffee. And you really can't talk about shade-grown coffee without talking about Birds and Beans coffee. Because Birds and Beans is the only brand that sells only bird-friendly shade-grown coffee. Most of the coffee sold in America today is literally killing the songbirds we love and destroying a sustainable method of farming that supports rural communities in Latin America. 
and keeps farm workers and their children away from toxic chemicals. The only way to be certain that the coffee in your cup is bird-friendly is if the Smithsonian Migratory Bird Center seal is on the bag. And what coffee can you be sure carries that seal? Right, birds and beans. If you love great coffee and want to help save songbirds at the same time, the choice is simple. Birds and beans, the good coffee. It's available in stores from California to Connecticut. Find out where or buy it online at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. Okay, it's our last Let's Ask Mike of the year. Top of the morning to you, Mike. Top of the morning to you, Ray. It is. It's the end of the year, isn't it? Hard to believe. Oh, but, my uh, gosh. Certainly true. Here's the question, Mike. It says, I've always had a bird feeder in my yard until two years ago. When we started having mice in the house in cold weather, the exterminator said the feeder droppings attracted the mice. And to remove the feeder, do you agree, says Tom Herlihy. You don't agree with that, do you, Oh, my Mike? gosh, no. Remove a feeder? Jeez. Oh, my God. What a I'd, question. I'd have to get a job. <laughs> well, the two things we can talk about. First of all, if you, if you want to prevent seed from going on the ground... Um, just get yourself a bird feeder with a tray yeah. and use nothing but sunflower seeds without the shells. Because okay. it's, it's all edible stuff, and if they do drop one, it goes in the tray, and the next bird comes by and scoops it up, mm. prevents something from hitting the ground. And you can even put even something over the top of the feeder to prevent a mouse from climbing along a branch or, or something mm. in, in feeding that way. So you can definitely keep seed off the ground, and that's good in any situation. A lot of people have, they're either in uh, condo complexes or yeah. they're, they're, they've got these lawns that they have to keep pristine mm-hmm. or whatever the thing is. And that's another way. You get a regular two-feeder, put a big tray on the bottom of it, and there'll be nothing on the ground, and there'll be birds in the feeder, and this thing about the mice won't be an, an issue at all. But the other part of that is, if the exterminator says that, you know, it's, it's the bird seed is attracting the mice, well, how does he answer the question of all those billions of other people that don't have feeders and still they have They still mice? have the mice, course, yeah. Sure. Exactly, you yeah. know, they, they, they come for what we offer them. If it's mm-hmm. not food, it's shelter, but it's usually both, because we usually slobs and drop cookie crumbs <laughs> and everything, and they yeah. clean it up. So you're going to have mice no matter what. But if you're concerned about food on the ground, and if you think for some reason that's going to draw in more mice, then just get some sunflower seeds without the shells, put a tray on the feeder, and there'll be nothing on the ground, and the exterminator will have to come up with another reason why you have mice. All right, there you go, Tom. Tell the Orkin man to mind his own beeswax. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Hey, we'll see you in the new year. Hey, happy new year, Ray. Happy new year. Okay, bye-bye. Send your question in to Mike. He will answer it as only he can, and we'll thank you by sending you a signed copy of Mike's newest book, Why Do Bluebirds Hate Me? All kinds of great answers to your questions. Send your question to Ray at TalkingBirds.com. We'll get it to Mike, and we'll get the answer and the book to you. Meanwhile, we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this bird. A very small songbird with kind of uniformly dark brown plumage and dark brown eyes. Our bird has a thin, pointed brown and black bill, a faint pale stripe over the, over the eyes, and a tail that's shorter than those of its relatives, a tail that's often cocked upward. The prize is our new generation 15-inch thistle or niger seed feeder from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. What do you think it is? 781-837-4900 is the number. Peter is in nearby Pembroke, Massachusetts. Good morning, Peter. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Happy New All Year. Right. What do you Happy think? holidays. What do you think our mystery bird is, Peter? Uh, my first guess is a marsh wren. Marsh wren. 
Unfortunately, we only give you one guess. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a marsh wren, as you may have deduced. Uh, top quality guess, though. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. All right, not a marsh wren, but you can see we're getting close already. John is in Hanover, Massachusetts. Good morning, John. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you doing? All fine here on the uh, Indian Head River up in Hanover. The Indian Head River. Oh, I don't know that river, I'm sorry I to say. Know, you know where the Clutham's Ford site is? The, the, which, the which is? Ludham's Ford site at the falls in Pembroke and Hanover line. Uh, I don't think I do. I, I've got to explore the area a little more than I have. Well, it's right near the, the Pembroke uh, Country Club. Okay. That. Is that a good bird watching spot? Oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful. There's a dam there and it mm-hmm. goes, it meanders upstream. A little murky because of the rubber mill years ago, but uh, come back quite well and everybody has uh, nice boat launches down there now. There's a lot of paths that are marked well now and it's uh, mm-hmm. Revived area, very nice. A lot so, of dog walkers. Sounds pretty nice. I'm glad to to know about it. What do you think on the mystery bird, John? I thought it was the Carolina wren. Carolina wren, John. That is another one of what we call our top quality guesses. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly what we had in mind, though. Okay. Try us again, John. Thank you and happy New Year. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. What is our mystery bird? It is proving to be a bit of a mystery. Emily is in Hanover, Massachusetts also. Uh, good morning, Emily. Good morning. How are you? Good. Are you a friend of John's there? No, I'm not, okay. but I'm going to have his same guess of the Carolina <laughs> Wren, so I know I'm not correct. Yeah, it's hard to make that same guess and have it come out right. Uh, <laughs> but it's very close, if that's any uh, consolation. Oh, that's terrific. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Try us again, Emily. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Happy New Year to you. And let's go to another call from Pembroke. And this time it's uh, Margie in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Good morning, Margie. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm um, well, thanks. Uh, we heard guesses for Carolina Wren and uh, Marsh Wren. What's your, what's your assessment? A house Wren. A house Wren. Boy, we're kind of getting it covered here, except for the mystery bird itself. I know, it's probably the one I'm thinking of, but I didn't uh, put it well, down. Call us back as Florence okay. from uh, Duxbury. We'll, we'll do it that way. Thank you, Margie. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, so uh, not a marsh wren, not a um, house wren, and not a uh, Carolina wren. Uh, so... Let me leave a whole lot of uh, other oper- uh, other um, options here, so we'll see how we do in the bit of time that we have remaining. 781-8374-900 is the number to call um, for our mystery bird, the prize, the new generation 15-inch thistle or Niger seed feeder from Droll Yankees featuring a powder-coated finish that won't chip or fade and zinc die-cast tops and bases and ports to last a lifetime. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more on our website, yougottobekidding.org. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. Joan is calling from Situate, Massachusetts. Good morning, Joan. Good morning, Ray. Your line has been busy. I've been trying to get you for like five minutes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm, fi- I'm glad you finally got through. We had all those Wren calls coming in. It's, I think it's a winter wren. Let me check. Uh, I think it is a winter wren. <laughs> yes, a winter wren is what we were looking for. Nice job. Thank w- you. Winter you wren. give such great clues. 
Well, we, we try. I guess it worked out for you this time anyway. Yes, it did. <laughs> All right. Well, keep an eye out for those winter wrens and let us know if you, uh, if you see one. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. The winter wren is our mystery bird. Uh, what an amazing bird. You know, the Carolina wren, I think we talked about recently, including the fact that we have uh, at least one or two right in our Talking Birds garden behind our studios here in Marshfield. Massachusetts, a very loud bird, and so is the winter wren. Here's a stat from uh, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. They say that the winter wren, per unit weight, delivers its song with ten times more power than a crowing rooster. Isn't that amazing? And winter wrens have very complex songs, um, especially uh, in the western part of the country, with an, on average, about 36 notes per second. That's kind of hard to imagine. Next week we're going to play the sound of the winter wren but slowed way, way, way down. And I think you'll be pretty amazed at what that sounds like. That is our show for this morning. Thanks for being with us and Happy New Year. The executive producer of Talking Birds, Mark Duffield, our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. We'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Route 6A, Orleans, Cape Cod. On the web at birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By the Boston Harbor Island Alliance. Minutes away, worlds apart. Go to bostonharborislands.org for more information. Hey, I love that show.